Hello, SpiceCast listeners. I just wanted to take a minute before the episode to remind you that Black Lives Matter now and always. Since long before the murder of George Floyd late last month, Black people in the United States have been systemically marginalized, oppressed, and killed by white people in positions of power. The act of murder that was committed by police officers in Minneapolis on May 25th 2020 is the direct result of the white supremacy that continues to pervade our government, society, and country as a whole. The insane lack of accountability that police officers have for their violent actions is part of the system we must fight to change, as are so many other institutions that discriminate against people simply for the color of their skin. We stand with all those who protest police brutality and other injustices, who risk their lives even during the worst pandemic the world has seen in a century. We stand also with the victims of violence, prejudice, and oppression, those whose names are known, and the many whose names will never be known because of the same system that sought to bring them down in the first place. No justice, no peace. Thank you for listening and for continuing to reshape our society, our country, and our culture for the better. Welcome to the SpiceCast, the podcast where we talk about spices and spicy moments in our everyday lives. I'm your host, Ruben, and joining me this episode is a very special guest. Would you please introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Francine, and I'm happy to be on the SpiceCast. Well, we're, we're really happy to have you. Welcome. Thank you. So, um, Francine, you... Uh, expressed an interest in being on the Spice cast to talk about something slightly different than what we normally talk about. Normally, we're focused on one particular spice, um, but you have a background with Jamaican spices and Jamaican cooking. So would you um, give us a little intro to, to what your background and experience is? Absolutely. So I was born and raised, I was born in Jamaica, and I was raised around West Indian, specifically Jamaican cooking, Jamaican cuisine. And that has just been a part of my culture, a part of like my everyday life. So when I cook, even now as a grown up, I cook with my Jamaican West Indian influence in mind, even when I cook things that might not necessarily be traditional to um, Jamaican cuisine. And so in terms of, you know, like spices, anytime someone think about, anytime someone talks about spice and cooking, I automatically think of West Indian and Jamaican cuisine and the heat that comes along with that cooking. Cool. So, um, what uh, what sorts of spices are generally involved when you talk about West Indian and Jamaican cooking? So, like, right off the bat, whatever it is that you're cooking, you have to have salt, pepper, onion powder, garlic.
garlic powder and thyme. It doesn't matter what you're cooking. You can be cooking eggs. You're gonna have those four things. Like they're just your staple, your mainstay. Um, so I remember with the quarantine, we ran out of black pepper, specifically black pepper. And it took a while before the shelves were stocked with black pepper. And my food just didn't have the same look and or taste because I didn't have black pepper. And I remember feeling so un-West Indian because I didn't have black pepper. So that's just how critical having salt, pepper, garlic powder, onion powder, and thyme are to you know my, my Jamaican cooking and to like Jamaican cultural cooking as a whole. I guess in the U.S. the equivalent would be, I guess, like running out of salt or something. I don't know. We don't really use spices in such a meaningful way, I feel like. Well, I think um, because I watch a lot of, of Food Network, I love cooking. Uh, I love cooking TV shows. I've been watching cooking TV shows since I was a child growing up. And I think salt and pepper is probably the most common things that I've seen used culturally worldwide, no matter what it, what kind of cuisine that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, most people might not use black pepper. They might use, you know, red pepper flakes. So the pepper might change, but I think salt is like, you have to have salt in your cooking. Yeah. Unless you have dietary restrictions. So in terms of uh, implementation, in terms of the ways you use spices, is are there some approaches that are different than um, approaches that you've seen on the Food Network or on cooking shows? So I think um, in terms of approaches, I would probably say more in terms of we do things heavy-handedly. So it's not just a little sprinkle of anything. We are dousing our food with spices. Like, so we're not putting a little bit of salt. That's probably why we have hypertension. (laughs) We're not putting a little bit of black pepper. You're going to feel the heat. Um, We're not putting a little bit of anything. So our food is packed with so much flavor. Um, And I know that we're not um, the only uh, culture that has food that's packed with flavor. As a matter of fact, a lot of Jamaican uh, food comes from um, Indian and Spanish culture. Um, as a matter of fact, Jamaica was settled by Spain. And so a lot of our culture comes from um, Spanish and um, English influences, right? So a lot of the, the the heaviness and flavor of the food that we have is is influenced by other cultures. But we don't do things in small portions. So when we season, we season with a lot of seasoning. So you're going to definitely taste those different flavors, the different spices that are used. You're going to taste them in the food that we prepare. So it's not going to be like a, a subtle hint of thyme in the, in oh, the no, dish. Oh, no, you're going to know you're, there's you're thyme. You're going to know. <laughs> yeah, you're going to know. Awesome. Um. So I want to go back a little bit and talk about kind of your your upbringing. How did you learn to cook? Were you cooking with your family or where did that come from? Um, So I learned to cook uh, by watching my my mother and my dad cook. Um, It was so much a part of growing up that as a child, 
I wanted to make sure that when I got married, I married somebody who knew how to cook. So that's how important it was. But I learned how to cook by watching them cook. I watched my grandmother uh, cook. Uh, my, my, all of my aunts, all of my uncles. Like I promise you, there's nobody in my family who does not know how to cook. So if you're hungry, you're hungry simply because you just didn't cook. Um, you didn't feel like cooking. It's not because you didn't know how to cook. Um, frying um, fish is one of my greatest memories of my grandmother. And just the the detail and the time that you not the spiced time, but the <laughs> the, the the attention to the length of time that it took her to prepare the fish and to season the fish and to to fry the fish and to make sure that it was well prepared and the flavor was there. And the other thing that cooking also reminds me of is love. So when every time I season food and so spices to me and seasoning food and cooking, all of that to me all ties into the way I express love. And when I am cooking my food and I'm preparing my food and I'm seasoning my food, it's my expression of love to the people that I'm doing this for. And that reminds me of my grandmother because when I watched her cook, it just looked like love. And when I tasted her food, it tasted like love, you know? And, and so I grew up watching the way she cooked and watching the way my mom and dad cooked. And um, now I have children of my own. Some of them have kind of picked up on that cooking, um, but not all of them, I have three. Not all of them are so uh, cooking savvy as I am, but they all know that if they're gonna cook anything, they're gonna cook with spices. And so I see them going into the cabinet and reaching for the spices, um, regardless of whatever it is that they're cooking. And they have no problem experimenting with different spices. Awesome. Well, it's it's beautiful to think about like cooking as an expression of your love. It's something that I, I always feel like um, is really powerful in, in my family as well. I come from a, from a Jewish background and the first thing that happens when you walk into the gathering or your grandma's house is she tells you to eat. Yeah. <laughs> no matter if you just came from lunch, you, you get food. And I, I feel like that's just one of the purest expressions of love and caring. Yeah, and you don't ever say no either. You can't. Yeah, saying no is is just like the worst thing that you could ever do. Yeah. So um, when you were growing up, did you help out your parents or were they primarily the ones that were doing the cooking? I did help. um, And it wasn't, I, I don't think I realized that I was actually helping until I was in my teens probably about 14 or 15 or so. And I started cooking on my own. And I said, wait a minute, when did this happen? I was cooking on my own. They were nowhere to be found. Uh, my dad's watching baseball because that's his favorite thing to do. And my mom is you know, watching um, game shows because that's her favorite thing to do. Um, and so somewhere along the line, the me watching turned into me doing and they enjoying the fruits of my labor. <laughs> Um, and so, and I kind of see the same thing too happening now that I'm a mom and my children are older, um, which I guess that's the way it's supposed to be, you know, 
Yeah. Um, but no, it was definitely a, a hands-on learning experience. But the interesting thing is I actually started with bacon, not with cooking. And so bacon was the thing when I was younger that I did the most of, which we also incorporate a lot of flavors in that, like nutmeg and cinnamon. Those are like another, when it comes to bacon, those are like nutmeg, cinnamon, and vanilla are like our three big things when it comes to bacon. And so I recall like starting with bacon and then graduating to cooking. So did you feel like in baking you had more control over what was going on or or why did you end up starting with that and moving to cooking later? Honestly, now that I'm looking back, I think it's probably because that was not my mother's like strongest area of expertise. And so it was oftentimes my cousin, like when it was bacon from scratch, it was an older cousin that would come and do the bacon and I would learn from her and I would help her with doing that. Um, And then whenever my mother would bake, she baked from a box. So there wasn't much learning in that because, I mean, I can read from a box and just do the box, but when it came from things from scratch, it was the older cousin that did it. And so I think that's why the, um, I started with the bacon versus doing the cooking because she was able to do all the cooking stuff Mm. I see Um, so you mentioned nutmeg cinnamon um, vanilla what are some other baking seasonings that were important um, to you growing up allspice and (laughs) uh, liquor (laughs) like hard liquor yeah specifically rum Mm -hmm. We use that um, as a, I would say as a spice because we have this thing, um, especially um, black cake um, for like weddings and for holidays. And so I would call it a spice because we would soak our, we would soak like fruits like currants in the rum for like a whole year. And you can't, the way in which it's used, it makes it a spice because then when you add the currants or and then of course you add the the rum to it afterwards um it flavors the the cake right Mm. and so that is definitely one of those things where i would i would add that as a spice um i would also say oddly enough um cumin you can use it both in savory and sweet cooking Um, And so not a lot, but it depends on what kinds of cakes that you're making. You'll use it in that. Um, And then sugar, lots and lots of sugar. Mm -hmm. So we have have a lot of tasty treats that are made with coconut. And one particular one is made, I promise you, it's nothing but coconut, sugar, and water. I believe you. I kid you not, that's all that it is. Um, and even though sugar is more of it's a sweetening agent, but when all you have is coconut, sugar, and water, you know, um, and, but I think that that's pretty much the mainstay. Then we have other things like, um, 
like rose water, which is similar to, I guess, vanilla, but instead of having a vanilla taste, it has like a, a, a more floral taste to it. Almond extract, um, again, to add that almond flavor to whatever it is that you're making. Um, but those that are more contingent upon what it is that you're baking. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't necessarily say that they are going to be like the main ingredients of anything that you're making. So what were some of the things that you were baking when you were growing up? What were some of your favorites? Uh, so Easter bun, which is made every year around Easter time. Um, and it is just chock full of um, fruits. Um I don't even know what kind of fruits there are in, in the, the, the mixture of fruits that's in there, but I know um, maritana cherries are one of them. They have currants in there. There's raisins in there. And it's really good. It's not it's not the fruit cake that everyone is always trying to get rid of during Christmas time. It's not like that at all. Um, it's, it's something that everyone loves, children especially. Um, the spices in there is usually your allspice, your nutmeg. It's really heavy on allspice, I think. Um, and your nutmeg, your cinnamon, and your vanilla. Not so much, not a lot of cinnamon because I think it's the allspice that really gives it um, that bunny flavor to it. Um, then, of course, holiday time, you'll have your, your black cake. Uh, black cake is traditional for Christmas time as well as like weddings um, and any special occasions. Um, let's see. There's also um, something called. Um, coconut drops and that's one of the coconut treats that's mostly sugar coconut and water Um, but it's it's caramelized and so it looks like um, brown clusters of coconut that's what that looks like Um, and then there's tarts coconut tarts which is like it looks like an empanada but it's stuffed with um, grated coconut Hmm. And so it is, I, that's so good. My husband actually knows how to make that, which makes me happy because bacon is not my favorite thing to do at all. Um, because to me, bacon is just too time consuming. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, it has a nice flaky crust on the outside and it has um, your, it's, the spices in that will mostly be like your vanilla and your, your nutmeg, a little bit of cinnamon, not too much though. So. Um, and um, some cumin to it. And I think those are like my favorite ones, the ones that I would, I'm not big on sweets. That's another reason why I don't do a lot of baking. But those are like my main, like favorite, favorite ones that I would like to eat all the time. Nice. Um, So I know there are some spices that are native to Jamaica or at least were introduced to Jamaica a very long time ago. I think allspice and nutmeg are two of those. Um, it, is that why you see those like very frequently in in the cooking and baking in Jamaican food? I think that has something to do with it. Now, small disclaimer, I do not know a lot about the history of because I came over to the United States when I was probably about five or six years old. So I didn't get a lot of the um, cultural education that I would get if I went to school there. Um, But what I do know is that a lot of the things that we, that are like, like staples of 
Jamaican cuisine is because they're grown there. Um, and so it's very possible that cumin and um, nutmeg are things that you can cultivate from Jamaica, which is why they're so heavily used there. I know, like, cane, the sugar thing, like, cane, sugar cane is all over the place. So right. everything is is sweet because there's cane all over the place. And I think it's so much different, too. Like, the sugar there is different than the sugar here. It's so much pure, and it tastes so much better. And I don't know how sugar has a taste other than sweet, but it tastes so different. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that does make sense. Being an island, it would have been really hard to import things before, you know, a, a hundred years ago or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it does make sense. Um, so you said in your teenage years, you made the transition from baking to more cooking and now you're, you like cooking more. Um, can you talk a little bit about how that happened and some of your favorite dishes to cook when you were first starting? Um, so I think I like cooking more because I can experiment more with cooking. Um, and as I said earlier, I'm not like a big sweet person. So I think if I liked sweets more, I would probably do more bacon. Um, but since I'm not a big sweet, sweets person, um, I prefer to do the cooking because I feel like I can experiment a lot more with cooking. Um, it's a lot more forgiving than bacon is. Um, I can kind of work with whatever I have in the kitchen, which is something that I really, really love to do. Me too. Um, like one of my favorite Food Network show is is Chopped. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Because, you know, those mystery baskets, ooh, I wouldn't want to be a on it though because I would not win I would just get too nervous but from home I love trying to figure out how to make the mystery basket ingredients work um the other thing about it is the whole idea of the whole process is an expression of love um and I don't feel the same way about bacon again because it's just so exact um and so I think with the transition, it came more from the fact that I realized that I can do different things with it. I can throw an item here and an item there. I can try this spice with that and see how things work. I, even though I'm going to stick with my main five spices, I'm going to try to add different things to it to see how the combination will taste and with different proteins and you know how they will come together. Um, and I just love doing that for other people. And I also love to see their response to my cooking. So I, when I cooked for my parents and they loved it, I mean, what child doesn't like to see the affirmation of their parents, right? Um, and so that kind of just became a big thing for me. Absolutely. What were some of the things that you started cooking when you were um, in your teenage years? Spaghetti was probably one of the first things I learned to make, which is not Jamaican at all, right? <laughs> um, it's Italian. Um, but and, and I still have the same salt, pepper, onion, garlic powder, and thyme, believe it or not. Not a lot of thyme because you got to know how to use your spices um, properly. But that was one of the first things I love to make. It's also, my mom says, it's one of her favorite meals that I make. Um, curry 
which is another big thing. Um, curry chicken was probably another one of the things that I started to make early. Um, and I love curry because you can really just throw all of your seasonings in it and yeah, it, and yeah. it always comes out good. That's like one of my favorite, um, comfort food is curry. I absolutely positively love curry. Um, I haven't mastered curry goat just yet because the meat is a little tougher and you have to kind of love on it a little bit more so that you can get it nice and tender. Um, but I definitely love curry chicken and um, and fish. That's another one of the things that I started to make really early, fried fish. So like I said, with my grandmother and watching her fried fish. So um, frying fish, steaming fish, bacon fish, grilling fish. Like I just love fish. And so um, fish preparations in all form um, is something that I also started to do like really early. And then breakfast also like I experiment all the time with can you go through um, the process of one of your favorite dishes and how you make it and what kind of kinds of seasonings you use um sure so I'll do um, the curry and um, so like with curry chicken it's all about you know I like to cut my chicken up into into pieces so that it's not like big chunks of, of Chicken, I like to cut them up into pieces that's easier to not only cook, um, but also easier to like um, dish out and to eat. And so, of course, I add all of my, gotta wash and clean our chicken. That's another thing that I grew up with. Like, you wash and clean your protein, and now it's like, it's probably not such a good thing, but I still do it anyway because that's how I was raised to do it. Um, and then make sure it's all nice and dry and everything. Then the salt, the pepper, the onion, garlic powder, um, the thyme, lots of thyme for curry. Gotta have lots of thyme. Um, the curry powder and I think it's turmeric. This is mm -hmm. the orange one. Mm -hmm. right? uh, yeah, yeah turmeric. turmeric. Yep. I don't know why I always get it mixed up. But anyway, I just pulled things out of my, um, my cabinet. Um, turmeric and cloves, um, the whole one, not, not like pieces. Mm. Something that I also really like that is different. So the black pepper that comes in the tin is like the, the staple, right? But I like fresh ground black pepper. I feel like that has a different flavor than the tin black pepper. Definitely. And so I add that also. Um, red pepper flakes, I forgot about that. Um, Scotch bonnet, which is the hot, hot pepper. Um, I knew we wouldn't get through the whole episode without talking about Scotch bonnet. Yeah, gotta have the Scotch bonnet, gotta have the heat. Um, scallion, the, or I think um, some people call it um, white onion. Wait. Yeah, green onion, I think. Yeah, green onion, there you go. Yeah. Um, so fresh scallion, um, fresh onion, like cut up in fresh onion. So in addition to the onion powder, have fresh onion. And in addition to the garlic powder, have fresh garlic. Um, so smash that up, add the, the thyme, um, add the scallion, and then I get all of it. Oh, and then um, soy sauce. Um, 
And I think that's pretty much all of the stuff that I add that I add to it. Um, and then mix all of that up and I let that marinate for like a good 24 hours. Um, unless, you know, I oh, add to it late. So that's all just marinating the chicken. Yeah, that's just marinating the wow, chicken. Wow, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. so if is there also a sort of a curry sauce that goes with it or is it just the chicken? So um, the curry sauce pretty much is once I take out, like once I remove the chicken from the, um, from the marinade, right? Then what I do is I add cornstarch. Mm -hmm. I add cornstarch, um, cornstarch, water, um, ketchup. I honestly don't know why ketchup, except for the fact that's what mom did. So that's what I do. Um, hey, that works. You know, it, just, it, it tasted good when she does it. So I do it too. Um, and mix all of that up. And I cook that in a separate pot. Um, because I just want to make sure that it's all cooked. It's, while my chicken is cooking, and I have that cooking and simmering down, so I use that to be my sauce. And then I add that to the chicken once the chicken has cooked, and, and I let all that simmer. Um, and then that's kind of like, that'll serve as my, my curry sauce, my, my gravy. Nice. Yeah. So... Um... So when people in the U.S. think about Jamaican food, they often think about scotch bonnet, like we were talking about, or they think about jerk uh, meat. Yeah. Um, are those important to you in your like in your background, or are there other things that are more important that sort of um, those are like overhyped by people outside of Jamaica? Oh no, they're not. So I mean, scotch bonnet is like. It's it is real. It's you have to have scotch bonnet. Like it's in rice, rice and peas particularly. It's in your meats. It's in your fish. It's on your counter still because you're probably you know growing it <laughs> somewhere in your in your yard. Um, I I don't have a green thumb, so I unfortunately probably shouldn't say this out loud. Let anybody hear. I don't have Scott's bonnet just laying around my house because I don't have a green thumb. Um, and the older that I get, my tolerance for heat has gone down. Um, and my husband, who's British, no disdain to Brits, but he's British. He's not, <laughs> he's not a city. He likes, um, he likes jalapenos. So he, when he goes to the store, he'll buy jalapenos over Scott's bonnet. And then there's also where I live. There's no West Indian uh, like market close by where I live. So to get good um, West Indian food, we have to drive like half hour, 45 minutes. So there's that too. Um, but the jerk, oh boy, that's not overhyped either. That is like a big thing. And that is also like um, a, a staple of Jamaican cuisine. I do know how to make good jerk. Um, it's not something that I make often because I feel like, so there is jerk seasoning, 
and then there's jerk cooking and they're not the same and i don't think people fully understand that you can have a seasoning and season your meat and you have seasoned jerk meat but you don't necessarily have jerk chicken or jerk pork or you know jerk fish you just have jerk flavored food um and so there's also a process to jerking your food and i also don't have the setup to jerk my food so so what would you need in order to do it and what's the process like if you know um so it's also uh, so aside from the, the the season that you would need um you need like a good grill like if you have a good grill you can um jerk your food because a lot of it just has to do with like the smoking and the grilling that really captures um the essence of what jerk jerk season or jerk food is mm-hmm. So I was doing a little bit of research on um, jerk cooking and it seems like they don't really know where it came from, but they think that it came from maybe some native or traditional methods of cooking. I just thought that was super interesting that it's been around for for that long since even before the first colonizers. Yeah, and that um, I found that out to myself um, when, because my husband and I actually got into the same conversation about the difference between jerk season and jerk cooking. And so that also prompted me to go back and kind of look it up myself to make sure that I wasn't kind of saying stuff just because, right? Um, and I did think it was interesting that it came from so long ago. Um, it was also validating to know that it was more than just the seasoning yeah. <laughs> that you put on your food, right? Um, but it also just goes to show how Jamaican cooking is influenced by other um, cultures. Um, you know, the fact that we're like the, the series of islands are called West Indians or, you know, West Indian islands. Um, that also goes, talks to the fact that, you know, we are um, influenced by other cultures, including, you know, like Indians, um, which I don't say that in a derogatory way. I just mean in terms of how, you know, we were like, I guess, colonized over the years. Sure. So um, f- for those who don't know, uh, what's in your jerk seasoning? What are what are your what are your go-to's? That I I actually do not know what's in jerk seasoning. <laughs> <laughs> I do not. So I don't make um, jerk seasoning. I do just go to the store and buy jerk seasoning, which okay. already has all the ingredients in it. <laughs> all right, that that sounds easier. And funny, oddly enough, when I do jerk seasoning, I I still add. Salt, pepper, <laughs> onion powder, garlic powder. I'll leave out the thyme this time, um, but I will add the the other four, and then I'll put the jerk seasoning on top of that, just in case there's not enough of the other four in the jerk seasoning. You know, you're just making sure. Yeah, just making sure. <laughs> Are there any other like lesser known dishes that or or um, foods that you would want to highlight? Um, that you either you grew up with or are important to you culturally or personally? Um, I don't know if it's lesser known, but I think the, um, I guess it would be the, the, the island food. You know, like you have a, a nation bird, you have a nation flower. I guess the nation's food would be um, acne and saltfish. Mm-hmm. And so that's like, my favorite breakfast thing to eat 
to be honest, I'll eat it any time of the day. Um, but that is definitely my favorite um, breakfast food to eat. And that is, ackee is actually a fruit, but you have to be like really careful with it because it has to be open. If it's not open and you eat it, then it's poisonous apparently. Um, but um, that, and you mix that with um, saltfish or, or codfish, I think some people will call it. And you have to be very careful when you're adding salt to that dish because <laughs> the fish is already salted. But it's typically it's boiled out um, multiple times before your final preparation of the dish. So you still do end up adding the salt and pepper and all that other stuff to the end of it. Um, but if you know, you're ever in Jamaica, you definitely want to get acting saltfish. Um, and get all the provisions that go along with it. Um, it's usually like boiled dumpling, um, boiled green bananas, or um, fried breadfruit that you will get to go with it or something like that. Um, and then kalaloo and saltfish is another thing that I would add to that. Kalaloo is probably, um, I would say kalaloo and saltfish are probably not as well known. I would just say that because kalaloo is so much like spinach to people that they might be like, I don't want spinach, but mm-hmm. give it a try, folks. You'll you'll probably like it. Don't think spinach, just think kalaloo and you'll be okay. Those are all things that I would love to try. Um, can you, And I never have. Uh, I, can you describe the, the flavor of ackee? Um, yikes. If there is one. My daughter tells me that I'm really bad at describing food, but I'm going to give it a try. Um, so it is a fruit. So I would say that it is sort of fruity. I don't know if that's a flavor, but it's not sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a bit on the bitter side, um, especially if you get one that's just started to open. Um, so you would call those young ones, the older ones that's like fully open, they're not as bitter. Um, but it's when you see it, so it's, it's a very bright yellow color. So it's almost like when you um, cook it up, it could very much look like scrambled eggs. So kind of have that texture to it. Um, but it's kind of fruity with the without the sweet flavor more of a little um bitter flavor to it but it's also salty so it's savory once you because you're not going to eat it by itself i don't think i know anybody that eats acting by itself Mm -hmm. Um, and so once you mix it with the saltfish and everything else it's just a, a salty savory bite that just tastes i'm trying to think of um there's no I guess it probably has the texture of a peach or a nectarine, hmm. texture-wise, um, but more firm than that, if that makes any sense. It makes sense logically. I just can't really you imagine can't, yeah, what yeah. it would taste like or how it yeah. would feel, but it sounds really cool. I would love to try it. <laughs> she would probably tell me that I did an awful job of this right No, that. I think it was great. <laughs> um. One more question. Um, 
if you had this is maybe going to be putting you on, on the spot a little bit but if you had three things about jamaican spices cooking or um, culture that you could pass down to your children what would you tell them what would you pass down three things um i would say we cook with love Mm -hmm. that's a good one yeah we cook with flavor um flavor equals love (laughs) (laughs) awesome awesome anything else you'd like to share that we haven't gotten a chance to talk about let's see you know i actually would really like to and this probably is outside the scope of the podcast but i would really like to learn more about the history like i guess the history of Jamaican cooking and the spices um, because I know them based on my upbringing, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know them based on like their historical context. Um, I know that a lot of it is influenced by other cultures, but it would just be really cool. Like how I learned about, you know, the, the history behind jerk cooking, which I was like, Oh wow, that's neat. I wouldn't have guessed it. Um, but you know, I think that would be something cool to, to learn. So yeah, um, just like exploring that. And I would love to do another episode at some time in the future when we can um, sit together and taste some of these spices and some of these foods. Um, oh, that'd that would be cool. That would be super cool. Um, yeah. So I don't know. That's the future of the spice cast after coronavirus is uh, yeah. more in-person events, more in-person tasting. So. Oh, that'll be so awesome. Yeah, definitely um, keep me... Um, in the loop on that one because I would oh I would love to go testing out different foods and getting your input and seeing if you can identify some of those flavors. <laughs> that would be super fun. Sweet and savory. Yeah. Well, well, I just want to thank you again, Francine, for being on the episode. And um, is there any social media that you want to plug or anything that you want to highlight? So um, you can follow me on Twitter at ph underscore wondermomphd. And I'm also on Twitter at sickaware, S-I-C-A-W-R-E. Thank you very much. Everybody go follow Francine. She posts awesome things about um, science and medical progress. It's really cool. Um, So with that, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. Um, Thank you all for listening. um, And please uh, go look up Jamaican food, go uh, research Jamaican spices, and email us at podcast at thespicecast.com if you have any questions or comments or if you have any experience or favorite recipes that you'd like to share. Um, This has been uh, Ruben with episode nine of the spice cast and we're out. Mm-hmm.